Um, I have a lot of other medical problems, so it's not just the knees that really affect my daily life then and now. I have fibromyalgia, which is like a nerve disease with pain and fatigue all over the body. And this is what is debilitating the most. And I have endometriosis as well. So I have a lot of <laughs> physical ailments. And everything I do in my work and my real life are all centered around this these issues that I've had since I was even younger than a teenager. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Baladins Life podcast. I'm your host, Jana Komarnitska, and I'm thrilled to share a new portion of dance inspiration with you. If you are a new listener, welcome to the show. Don't forget to subscribe and receive automatic updates about our new episodes. And if you are our regular listener, welcome back. Please leave your reviews on whichever app you're listening. They really help me promote the show and spread awareness about Baladins art form. Plus, I really like like hearing back from you. On this note, let's get to our today's episode. You know how many guests we had previously on this podcast sharing how much their experience with BDE pushed their dance career. You can have it too. Join one of the BDE experience intensives and get the training and experience of performing in lead and ensemble roles open for Aksharki and Fusion styles. Details and training materials for the casting are available at www.joinbde.com. Direct link in the show notes, joinbde.com. If you think you have some obstacles in your life that prevent you from dancing, then our today's guest will persuade you that you are probably wrong. Ariel is a passionately dedicated dancer from the USA who currently performs daily in Cairo, Egypt. She teaches and performs ballet dance, samba, folklore, fusion, burlesque, hip-hop and many other styles of dance full-time. Although Ariel is American, she grew up in Egypt and has been performing Middle Eastern dance since the age of 10. Ariel is the winner of several competitions and was a finalist on Egypt's first ballet dance competition TV show Alracasa in 2014. Ariel returned to Cairo in December of 2019 and has been gracing the stage all around Egypt ever since. She currently teaches online group classes every Sunday and offers pre-recorded classes as well. But in our today's episode, we digged really deep in Ariel's lifestyle. We talked about her childhood and school years that she spent in Egypt and US and comparing experience in different countries as a child as a teenager. We also talked about the reasons why she had to leave Egypt and how it affected her emotionally and afterwards her decision to come back. But in the middle of all of this we talked a lot about health, life choices and limitations that may set us off and make it really difficult us to follow our dreams and goals. We talked about knee issues and Ariel is someone who had knee issues since early in her life, even considering taking a knee surgery and how it affected all her dance activities since teenage years till today and how she still manages to be a full-time ballet dancer in Cairo, managing all these shows, doing all these successful performances, but still experiencing 
issues and certain limitations in the technique that she needs to put on stage. We also talked about her other health issues and how they affect her lifestyle, for instance, fibromyalgia. It was really fascinating to hear how open Ariel was uh, to talk about all these insights in her lifestyle and how dramatic is often the difference between what you see on social media or even on stage and imagine about Baladin's life and the reality and the fact that we never know what person is going through. This is very inspiring and empowering interview and conversation and I hope it will force you to re-relate where you are right now and uh, motivate you to be grateful for every single day that you can dance. So this is what we have prepared for you for today. As usual, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share with your friends and send me a message as well as our guest if you enjoyed this episode, if you took something out of it or you could relate to some of these points. We always appreciate hearing back from you and it's always curious to see who is listening to this podcast. So on this note, let's dive in. Welcome to the Belly Dance Life podcast. Uh, so happy to see you in person, record this interview in person. Ariel, welcome to the project and thank you for agreeing to participate. <laughs> thank you so, so, so much for having me. I'm a longtime fan, so I'm super excited. Oh, <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. So since you're a fan, you probably... Um, know where I may start the conversation <laughs> and I always start from the very beginning and you have an interesting story because you are uh, American mm-hmm. but you grew up most of your childhood or big part of your childhood I don't know most or not but big part of your childhood you actually grew up in Egypt yes even went to school here in Egypt so can you share a little bit about those time, those early your early years of your life and how they informed maybe your passion to dance and where was that first contact for you uh, with ballet dance? <laughs> well, uh, my mom works for the U.S. government and we moved over here in 1999. I was 10 years old. And um, of course, I was so excited about Egypt because the pharaohs and the gods and goddesses and everything. Um, but then I, I started going to school um, in Mahdi, so it's an American school, an amazing, amazing school, shout out to CAC. And um, by some reason, there I got put in a role in a theater production that I did not ask to be in, <laughs> ah. that was what we call Egypt Culture Day at the school, where that day there's a festival, there's food and music and dance and performances and stuff like that. And they cast the new girl who had only been in Egypt a few months as the lead. I, I don't know why. I was, my natural hair color is blonde. So I was this little blonde girl in the lead of this whole production with Egyptian dance. So they chose you as a lead? I don't know why. Ah, okay. <laughs> so I had to learn belly dance, some Saidi, some folklore, and even some um, like mulid dances. Mm-hmm. Mulet is like celebration, uh, yes. traditional celebration dance. Mm-hmm. So just for people who may not know terminology. Exactly. So I was taught by just some random staff that worked at the, the uh, school. So they weren't dance teachers. They were just regular Egyptian ladies. And they started to teach me some basics in belly dance. And I liked it, but I also liked all the other styles of dances. Because I've been a dancer most of my mm-hmm. life. 
So I didn't really take belly dance seriously at that point, but I did fall in love with, with all Arabic music and Arabic culture. All my friends were Egyptian. You know, it, it just became a part of who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on from that, I spent years and years here in Egypt and... Uh, I just really, really felt so connected to the people with dance, with music, uh, just the personality of the people. Being from Florida, Egyptians always reminded me of the Hispanic people that I was surrounded with when I was younger, younger in Florida. So I always felt that connection. Um, And where it goes from there, the sad part of the story is I had to move back to America because the contract with the government limits how many years you can be here. Mm. So it was like five or six years I was here. Um, So I went to middle school, I went to part of high school, part of elementary school, and moved back to America to have surgery on my knees, because my knees are messed up. It's, uh, I I got a lot of uh, medical issues, Um, so I moved back to America to have uh, surgery and to start school in America 15 or 16. Mm. Mm -hmm. But that didn't go according to plan. Yeah, (laughs) obviously. (laughs) Before we start diving more into dance, I, I'm just curious to know about your experience of uh, being in school in Egypt. Because you started, if you were, you moved here 10 years old, so you started school in U.S. Yes. And then you moved to Egypt, and then you continue around, like age you said, uh, probably 15, 16. Exactly. Still, I don't know if it's a high school or college, maybe it depends on different countries have mm-hmm. different education, but you continued your school education back in the U.S. Um, I'm curious, was there, did you feel any, you know, differences in the approach in schools between two countries? Uh, yes or no? And if yes, uh, how was that you know, switch adaptation from one country to another? Well, I went to an American school. It's called Cairo American College. So it's done with the American curriculum. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have a lot of differences with how classes were taught or what what was taught and which topics and things like that. The only major difference was that you had to learn a foreign language at the school by starting in third grade. Like it's mandatory, which Mm -hmm. in America it's not. Mm. And I think it should be because it's amazing. But um, so I came in fifth grade, so I had to start learning a language. And of course, I chose Arabic. So starting in fifth grade, I le- started to learn to read and write and do all that good stuff. Um, the only difference after this, after my experience going to school, is actually coming back to America. Mm. I had a little bit of a culture shock because... There were cheerleaders in my school wearing cheerleader uniforms in America. The football players wearing football uniforms. And I had a culture shock coming back to America because I thought that was just in the movies. <laughs> oh, I thought so too. <laughs> it was it was at my like a public school in, in America, and I was just shocked how different it was. Because uh, my school here was also a private school, paid for by the government. We would never be able to afford it otherwise. It's one of the best schools in Africa, com- completely, and um, there was no football team. There wasn't like stuff like that. Groups were small. Each class only had less than a hundred students. Like it was, it was, it was a small type of private school versus public school. So that was the main difference I noticed. But everything else was pretty much the same, which is which is great. I was able to transition easily. Uh, I'm curious about the experience because yeah, of course, uh, even if it's American school, it's still. 
America may be system of education, but it's in different like countries. And I, mm-hmm. I was just curious out of dance related to the subject, how was that um, from perspective of a teenager, like, you know, going from one school environment to a school environment in a different country? Because as adults, we can compare, oh, you come to one country, have one experience and another. Yes. But I never had a chance, you know, to ask someone, okay, if you had experience as a teenager in these countries. When you said that you had to move back to U.S., um, it felt a lot of sadness in your voice. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is absolutely true. I did not want to leave Egypt, and my parents also did not want to leave Egypt. But mm. we were forced to by law because of the contract. Like, we couldn't stay. We were originally supposed to be in Egypt for one year, and they allow you to extend the contract one year, one year, one year, up to a maximum. Mm-hmm. So none of us wanted to leave. My whole life was here. I didn't even see myself as American or Egyptian. Like I felt I was a mix of the cultures and who I am, who my friends were, what, how I reacted to the world. And when I had to leave, it was very depressing to leave what I thought was my home, which was Egypt at that time, but also to leave to go have surgery on my knees, which is a whole nother thing as far mm-hmm. as dancing in my life goes. So it's like I was leaving everything I really knew and also having some medical issues. So it was a very sad time in my life. Yeah, and uh, you were very active already back then because you were picking up different uh, uh, kinds of dances, not mm-hmm. only like uh, your debut in <laughs> ballet dance in school, but you were picking up on... Um, And it's also very early age. I mean, knee surgeries are never fun, but especially when you're so young, it influences your entire life. I would like to dig deeper on that because you are not only an active person, your profession is physically active now. (laughs) We'll come back to the story of Egypt and US afterwards, but from perspective of health, Building a full-time career as a ballet dancer with experience of having knee surgery, uh, do you feel its influence on you today? And do you do anything special about health of your knees or legs in general, maybe body in general, like right now, considering that you had early in your life such experience of surgical intervention on knees, which is very, very traumatic to the body. Well, first, I didn't end up having the surgery. Ah. Yes. So I came back to America to to have this surgery with the expectation I was going to start my, whatever it was, sophomore year or something in high school at a public school in America in a wheelchair. Like, that's what I was expecting. But we we went to several doctors and they just just looked at me and they said, look, no surgery is ever going to help you. You have to stop dancing. Yeah. Yeah. It was a horrible, horrible moment. I'm still traumatized by that moment, but I had to stop dancing as a teenager and I had nothing. Like that was, that was my love. You know, I, I did acting, I did some singing, I did little things, but dance was my love. And the doctor said, look, if you keep dancing, you're going to be messed up the rest of your life. So I stopped all through the rest of high school. I didn't dance. And starting when I graduated, I was like, look, I can't live like this anymore. I'm depressed. I'm sad. I feel like my soul has left my body because now I don't have that art in my life. Maybe I'll try ballroom dancing because it's just fancy walking. 
And somehow soon after that, around the same age, 18, I stumbled, stumbled upon a belly dance school in my city, Orlando. And it was called Orlando Belly Dance. And um, it, this place changed my life. I said, let me try belly dance because it's very, it's low impact on the knees. And I miss Egypt. I miss Egypt so, so, so much. All my friends, all the culture, all the music, let me try it. And it turned out I really, really seriously loved it now that I was officially training like in an official capacity, not just fun here and there like in Egypt. And the director, she, she invited me to be a part of the professional company to audition. And it changed my life. I said, why not? Let's see what I can do while I can still do it. Hmm. So I have to thank Suspira from Orlando Belly Dance. It's, it's no longer an active studio, but I have to thank her so much for giving me that opportunity because slowly but surely, it changed my life. So um, oh, regarding your other question about the knees, so I didn't have the surgery, but my knees are still messed up. There's stuff I cannot do. There's a lot of floor work and splits and plies that I just, I can't do no matter what I do. Some days my Egyptian shimmies are better, sometimes they're worse, which is normal for everyone, but it's especially difficult for me because of my knees. Mm -hmm. um, I have a lot of other medical problems, so it's not just the knees that really affect my daily life then and now. I have fibromyalgia which is like a nerve disease with pain and fatigue all over the body. And this is what is debilitating the most. And I have endometriosis as well. So I have a lot of <laughs> physical ailments. And everything I do in my work and my real life are all centered around this, these issues that I've had since I was even younger than a teenager. And I've had to adapt since a young age with how can I live as a person in this world where technically... I have a disability, but I'm also mobile. How, how do I balance that? And the answer is, I don't balance it well, but I do my best. Um, when I started dancing again, I became like a prof professional dancer for, like professional in quotes, like professional level training. Mm -hmm. And it took a toll on my body, but it gave me a reason to live and wake up every day. So I'm limited in how much I can dance, how long I can dance. And the after the dancing is the hard part. Hmm. I, I can't have a normal social life or, or even just a normal home life because there's a lot of things I can't do because I tire myself out. But without the dance, I feel I'm not alive. So it's like you have to sacrifice some things. I have to rest a lot. I have to listen to my body. But if I didn't have those calls for work, if I didn't have those calls for performances, I would never get out of bed. Never. You know, you're just such an incredible example of we never know what's going on in other person's life. Mm -hmm. And especially when we are talking to people who put ourselves uh, publicly out there online and speaking about dancers like you know oh we see those glamorous um, videos of performances and costumes and makeups uh, but you don't really know what is going on in person's life and it can be on 
level of you know day-to-day just personal life what's going on things events happening but this also can be physically literal uh, physically and emotional but i mean even emotional from physical point of view what's going on in the body that we see oh she's uh, (laughs) dancing and many people from general public may be thinking like oh it's just dancing you know Mm -hmm. around but you never know how much effort is going on and you are such an incredible uh, example I guess of what uh, everything is possible and um, we may need to adjust we may definitely not may but have to listen to our body but uh, if you dream about something we can make it happen <laughs> absolutely and it's it's one thing if you have a physical limitation no matter what it is the hardest thing is just to accept that that's your reality It's probably not going to change and make it worse, but you have to accept that's your reality. This is happening to you. How are you going to react to it? Mm. Are you going to curl yourself away and quit the things you love, or are you going to try to do them just in a different way? And that's what I've spent my whole life doing. Mm -hmm. I'm 35. (laughs) So I've been, you know, dancing pretty much full time since I was 18. No, 19. (laughs) And I've just found ways to, to cope and to to prioritize what's important to me. I have written down so many questions in my mind. <laughs> to choose the big one. Just that, um, okay, let's start there. Um, when was the moment when you decided to go belly dance as a full-time profession? Because this is not just a regular moment for you, like, oh, for majority of other dancers who know we start dancing we fall in love and then some eventually somehow found themselves doing this as a profession some take a decision but for you it i'm pretty sure back then it was also a moment of consideration Mm health-wise so okay it's not only passion it's not only worry can i make it work money-wise but it's also can i make it body-wise in a sense like (laughs) health-wise It was scary and is scary every day because I never know when it's going to be my last day dancing. And that's what helped me make that choice. I went to university straight after um, uh, high school and was starting the belly dance at the same time. So I was studying uh, microbiology, molecular biology, psychology, and social sciences. But at the same time, I was starting to work as a dancer professionally. It was all coinciding with each other. And eventually I graduated, finally, (laughs) and I had that choice. Do I go get my master's or my doctorate, or do I go work in this field? Or do I continue dancing? Something uncertain, something scary, something unpredictable for anyone, let alone someone with huge medical problems. And I decided, no, I'm going to dance because I never want to live with regret. You can go back to school. You can do what you want to do later in life as far as academics go, as far as your mind goes. But your body is only young once and you have to take advantage of it. If I decided to go to further school or go working, start working in the sciences, I would always every day feel, oh, I wish I was dancing. I was young. I, I, I could be dancing, you know? And I, I don't like hearing the stories of people who went and changed their lives for what is the smart thing to do. 
I know it's not smart, but it's smart for my soul and my heart. And I made that decision and no, it's not easy. I struggle if I don't work, I can't pay the bills. You know, it, it, it's, it's hard being a dancer as many of us know, but it's extra scary when I don't know when it's my last day. But I at least have my university degrees to fall back on when that day comes. And I hope to still be able to teach forever. I just, the number one thing is don't live your life with regret. Do it now. Yeah, it's a fine balance between uh, listening to yourself and your body and deciding what is good for you and where you need maybe to take care of yourself and step back, but also listen to your heart. (laughs) Where is the calling? What do you actually want to do? So it leaves you don't regret not not trying. And it's always a fine balance and so individual for everyone. So it's fascinating to hear just your story. So um, there are two aspects of this. One, I'm curious to know from physical point of view, coming back to the problems with knees that you had, And you basically didn't have operation because doctors said there is no point, it will not help you, but the problem still was there. Mm -hmm. How did you navigate it in terms of ballet dance? Because ballet dance technique depends on the, let's say, school or approach of ballet dance, but many movements are based on the knee, Mm -hmm. Uh, not necessarily reaction, but I would even say impulse, like you move, you make your hips move because of knee work. But another of them requires this soften uh, semi-pliene. And you mentioned that for you, a lot of plies or down, like going down, it, it, it's, it's a problem. It's mm-hmm. not always easy. So um, how did you na- navigate this technical aspect of doing ballet dance movements with your knees? Did actually your knees uh, situation like influence that? You had to adjust something? Or did ballet dance was a good fit for your situation? Like, oh, I can actually do it. How was that for you? Yeah, it's both. Because I also, I've trained and studied and performed in all kinds of dances. Um, But belly dance is softer on the knees compared to ballet or hip hop or these other styles. Because you're not usually hyper extending your knee and super straightening it. Which is like for a split, I don't think I'll ever be able to do a split again because it just tears your knees up. Um... I found that it's easier on my body. And because you're able to have that soft plie, you're able to use your other muscles to make the dance happen. We have the abdominals, we have the quads, we have all these muscles. So I'm able to really pull from those muscles and keep as much of the strain out of my knees as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, this makes my style more soft because I can't overstrain myself because my knees can't handle it. So I've just had to find a way to how to switch my weight, how to adjust the angle of my knees, how that's going to work for my body and what's possible. Most belly dance movements I can do. And I'm so, so thankful and grateful that I am able to because I love this art and I can perform and do all the things. So I don't have too many limitations, um, but they, the belly dance fit with my issues and I'm able to work around it, but which you wouldn't be able to do in other styles so much. Mm. That's interesting to know because um, we have another side, other trend that a lot of um, 
young dancers dancers who started belly dancing young and they tried to push especially those ones who go into competition mm-hmm. around like they really push hard and try and work hard to do to excel to succeed ever and then by the age of 18 20 they may already develop problems with their knees oh, yeah. and backs etc so i was curious like for you you already had certain conditions and then you stepped into belly dance training with those conditions like how how was that uh, adjustment if it was necessary or not for you you also mentioned that you have other conditions uh, if you don't mind talking about of course it. no problem open book <laughs> and um, I'm not very strong in terms of like uh, terminology or etc so sorry if I ask any silly questions <laughs> regarding this but you mentioned that you have some uh, neurological um, mm-hmm. style conditions how did that affect your dance training or did it, does it affect in any way your dance training or performances or lifestyle as a dancer? It affects everything I do, every second of every day. The knees and the, the fibromyalgia, which is a nerve condition, there's, it's a lot of pain, widespread pain all over the body, and where it hurts changes mm-hmm. from day to day. Um, and it gives you a lot, a lot of fatigue. So I'm always tired. I have horrible insomnia. My knees aren't working. My arm isn't working that day. I mean, it's working, it's moving, but it's painful. But when I'm dancing, the pain lessens mm. because of that adrenaline, that love, that music. It's like for those few moments that I'm on stage, I am free. I'm happy. I feel less pain. Before and after, not so much. So it's those little moments that drive me and keep me alive and keep me in this dance because... Yes, I'm dancing, and I'm dancing hard-ish, not too hard, but with my whole soul in those moments. But before or after, I have to rest. I can't do too much. Now, for the dancers that have been dancing since they were so little, especially the competition girls, I respect them so, so much because they train so hard from such a young age. But a lot of them push themselves too hard while they're still developing. So sure, they're flexible and strong, but what kind of damage are you doing to your joints overall? I am also probably damaging my joints. We all are in some way. It's body wear and tear. But I just suggest it's not about competition. It's uh, Some people love it. I love competition too. But just remember to take care of your body so that you can dance 20, 30, 40 years, etc. Mm-hmm. Not just for that short time while you're young and strong and fit and healthy. You have to... Yes, you can do it, but not all the time. You have to... If you want to live in this dance and continue to dance, you have to not take it easy. Push yourself. But no, you can't push yourself too hard. Because you're going you're, you're gonna to suffer later for pushing yourself too hard. You know? But speaking about your activities, like you are today a performer in Cairo and uh, you perform pretty much daily probably <laughs> just like Actually. it's it's a thing here in Cairo and most likely you often have more than one show but even to take one show it's not just one song or mm. two songs it's a whole set um do you have to do anything in order to prepare your body like you know additionally uh 
compared to if you didn't have any of those uh, um, health issues. Do you do anything special to prepare? I mean, except that you mentioned oh, you need to rest a lot, etc. But do you do anything special to prepare for, you know, you know, let's say, imagine you have a very uh, busy uh, night today and you know you need to um, sort of like... Um, create some extra support maybe for yourself and do you do any what do you do afterwards when your uh, work is done for the day for the night nothing (laughs) (laughs) that's what I do after of course you eat take a shower get ready for bed take care of all my cats you know normal life stuff but after my work I can't do anything I can't go meet with my friends I can't go to this nightclub with my friends I can't go to the gym like most dancers should do before or after, whenever. I can't keep up with my body in that way. I just have to know after work, I'm dead to the world. I'm happy, but my body is tired. Before the work, there's not a whole lot I can do to to help myself. Um, Stretching and warming up and trying to eat healthy is is the best thing, and my medication, of course. (laughs) Um, I, I like to take a lot of bubble baths and stuff like that but there's no real magic solution it's just determination to get the work done to do the job to be on the stage Uh, but know that your time is limited you know someone with a nine to five job they may be sitting or standing for all those hours in the day but if you add up all the time that i'm standing dancing or preparing to dance it's such a short time compared to a, a normal eight hour a day job so it ends up being easier on my body than it would be to sit in a chair all day. Mm. Because the time you're actually working is very short. So that works for me in my condition. I see. Well, it's still a very tough situation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really happy to hear, like, you know, you even have some of the sparkles in your eyes when you talk about the moment of performance itself, that... that joy and adrenaline helps to forget mm-hmm. um, and that's the magic I guess of sometimes um, going after a dream despite all odds <laughs> yes <laughs> and that's something I, I do every single day and I'm grateful every single day even if it's a bad day and it's a hard day I'm so thankful that I am able to move in this way I am able to express myself in this way despite my limitations mm. Uh, you started belly dance uh, classes and like uh, start performing, you, if I understood correctly from what you mentioned, back in U.S. Official classes? Yes. Yes, I mean, I meant like getting back into belly dance, uh, actual training, like official. Yes, 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 yes correct. Um, what was uh, the reasons of your decision to move back to Egypt in 2019? (laughs) Well, I had some changes in my personal life circumstances. Um, I had always wanted to come back to Egypt since I left. (laughs) So so, since 2005, 2006, I'd always wanted to, but I had university, I had my work, uh, you know, personal stuff going on in my life. And 2019, an opportunity presented itself where I had, I had, I was at a crossroads. Do I go here? Do I go here? Do I do this? My life had su- suddenly became very free. So I said, it's now or never. I'm only going to get older. It's now or never. Let me go back to Egypt as a dancer, not as a student. 
in the schools, you know, as a dancer, let me do this. And it's been hard, <laughs> but it's also been amazing. Mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of offers to go back to Egypt in 2014 when we did the El Rakissa TV show. And a lot of dancers did go back. Yes. Oksana and Sahar was already here. Uh, Farah, Farah Nasri. Um, Ala Kushnir. Ala Kushnir, Brenda. Yes. All, all of these girls were together on the program, and a lot of them went to Egypt and became very successful, as they should. And I was never jealous of that. I always supported that. But I always wanted to feel like, man, I want to go back too. And I finally had the opportunity a few years late. Nobody remembers El show. On occasion, some people recognize me. Um, but I'm, I'm really, really, really glad I did because I took the plunge. Um, my mom actually gave me a little plaque that says, like it's one of those quote plaques, and it says, she took the leap and built her wings on the way down. And that's exactly what I'm doing every day. <laughs> if I may ask, uh, how was your family reaction to your decision to be a dancer uh, and to come eventually come to, to Egypt? Well, my immediate family, like my mom and stepfather, who was the father who pretty much raised me, they love belly dance and they love music and they love culture. And that's who I was living with when I was here. My stepfather is a musician, but like American music. So he loves the arts and all things dance. And my mom is just awesome. <laughs> Very supportive. Of course, she didn't want her, her little girl who has a lot of physical limitations to be a dancer of all things. But she's always been supportive. She would rather I do something more academic, just out of my safety. But she is 100% supportive. And my stepfather as well. Um, I don't have a lot of too much close family otherwise. Um, my grandma is not a fan <laughs> she's a little more conservative <laughs> but I'm so so thankful to have the parents that I had because they supported me no matter what I did and they truly loved the art mm -hmm. and the music so it's just a big bonus mm, and I'm sure they're so proud to, to see you going after your dream and succeeding because you are very successful here performing in, in Cairo and you're building career but you mentioned that when you came here as a dancer later like in your life is and with that uh, um, already after success of Alarcasi because you were one of the finalists yeah. there <laughs> not just a participant although all girls all participants were awesome but yeah. you also were one of the finalists um, and you did not take a chance uh, oh not a chance opportunity back then to go back to Cairo and build on the wave of that success and that recognition in your career, you took it later, but you mentioned that you felt it was very hard, it was difficult. What was the main um, difficulty for you coming back to Egypt with the idea and intention of building dance career? It's just, it's difficult um, to, to be a foreigner and to be a foreign belly dancer in Egypt, in general for anyone, no matter what their health life is like the licenses, the drama, the managers, the, the undercutting, the difficult long shows. I mean, it, it's, it's just a lot all at once. And of course, before I came here, I knew all of that. And I still <laughs> decided to come. And I'm grateful that I did. But it's just hard, like personal life, being with an Egyptian family, um, seeing the the life of a dancer through different eyes as a foreigner and, and as a, an Egyptian. 
the licensing, the police, how many times have the police, have I met with the police here? <laughs> um, and it's harder to be, of course, an adult woman responsible for yourself than it was to be a diplomatic child, <laughs> like yeah. before. So it's, it's a difficult life in general for any dancer who's here as a foreigner. And it's just up to you personally if those sacrifices and that drama is worth what you're building. Mm -hmm. And for me, it is. That's cool. Do you remember your very first performance back to Egypt? Yes. How and I have it? photos. <laughs> How was it? <laughs> Tell us. It, it was amazing. Um, uh, my first performance, like as a dancer, dancer. Yes, yes. Yeah. yes. Um, it was just some boat. <laughs> You know, all the, all the dancers, we all start on, on the tourist boats. Um, but it was mostly an Egyptian audience's boat. And it was uh, Christmas, because I came in December. So I was wearing my red and my green and everything. And it was just so amazing dancing for Egyptians. That's what I wanted to do for so long. I love dancing in America, but it, it does have its limitations because they don't speak the language And they don't understand the cultural nuances of the dance. And I just wanted to feel that connection with the Egyptian people. And I finally did. And I started working on that boat almost every day for a while. Mm -hmm. So every single moment is like the first time. I'm always so excited to hit the stage and to live every moment in the moment. So every day that I dance, I have those moments where I'm shaking here, I'm shaking there. But I have that moment, oh my God, I'm here and I'm doing this. Like I'm so thankful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how is your typical lifestyle routine looks like now <laughs> after um how many four years already? Uh, yeah. it's, I mean it's pretty boring otherwise. I come home late after work. I do nothing, as I said, other than the two hours of taking care of sick cats and things that I do. I eat, I go to bed. Super late. I wake up in the morning. It's late. <laughs> I have my breakfast. I take care of the cats. I prepare for work. I go to work and repeat and repeat and repeat. So um, I don't like have a gym routine, like I said, for certain reasons. Um, I These days don't have time for Arabic class or anything like that. So every day is just wake up, dance, sleep, dance, wake up, dance, sleep, dance. Mm. <laughs> and I kind of love it. <laughs> no, that's... Um... For some may describe it as boring, for some may someone may describe it as a ideal dream life. Yeah. <laughs> Just be focused on dance. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh just being focused on dance. It's a goal for uh well, at least for many people who listen to us right now. Yes. <laughs> And especially doing it in Egypt. In these four years, there's a lot of things happening in Egypt. You came just before Corona yes. and then uh, post-Corona and other stuff. Um, do you feel any changes in the dance scene in Egypt comparing the time that you just arrived and you were trying to enter the dance scene here and currently what is happening? Well, a lot of these changes were already kind of happening before I came here, where there was less of a focus on live music. There were more like Western-style nightclubs opening up. The music was becoming more shabby, which is, is fine. I love shabby, but it's definitely a change in what is expected. 
people are also more open-minded than they used to be. They like to see fusion and fire and all these crazy things, which I never expected to do in Egypt. Like I sold most of my props before I came here, <laughs> but I'm noticing the people, the younger people are starting to like that. People want to dance to modern music. They, not everyone wants to sit and watch an hour show with the band like they used to. Weddings don't want that anymore in general. Mm -hmm. um, for a while there after Corona, we weren't allowed to dance. Like nobody was allowed to perform. So we would just get away with dancing and like, cute short dresses like we were being paid to be there to belly dance but not in a belly dance costume so there was like a little stuff like that in the beginning that I was working here and thank god that didn't last <laughs> um but there's just definitely a, a switch in the percentage of modern music that's being used mm -hmm. because most of it is you, you there's not too many places that you can dance classical music there are some and I love those places uh, and I love the shabby as well um but a lot of what is expected from the dancer is to be hot, be sexy. We don't care if you can dance. Just we're booking from pretty photos. We don't really care what you can do. Who knows what? Um, there's also a lot in modern dance, the modern dance scene where a lot of people don't know Arabic or don't know the lyrics of their songs, which a few years ago would have been unheard of. Like you have to know what you're dancing to. But a lot of people nowadays don't care if the dancer knows anything. Some people do, and that's my audience. <laughs> but the, the modern dance scene, it's, it's kind of getting a little watered down because of that. Because people just want who's hot and who's beautiful and who does the most tricks, and that will never be me. Um, but I've still found success, and I've still found great uh, audience members and clients and things like that. But it's always changing. <laughs> always. Shorter costumes, too. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned earlier during our conversation that uh, you are living like in the current moment, enjoying the current uh, day and current moment and never knowing when it may be your last day dancing. Uh, but you also mentioned that you hope that you will be able to teach for... Forever. Forever. <laughs> um, currently, like, do you focus only on performing activities or do you have teaching activities right now in your current dance career, or stage of your dance career too? Well, of course, since moving to Egypt, my focus has been performing. I do teach online weekly classes and I live for them because it's my way to connect to my old students and meet new students. Um, I still will travel for workshops or even teach private classes at homes here in Egypt. But it is definitely different from my time in America where most days I was teaching and performing on the weekends usually, that's how it is in America, versus <laughs> here performing every day and teaching on the weekends. <laughs> it's like a flip-flop. Um, and I love, 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 love teaching. I mm -hmm. love it so much and I really hope, like I said, I can do it forever. Um, no matter what your body limitations are, you, you can find a way to teach with an assistant or teach lectures or whatever it is later on down the line. You can always share your knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that's true. I hope I can continue until forever. <laughs> what is the most exciting part for you in teaching? I just like connecting to my students and seeing their eyes open with whatever information I'm giving. 
being able to better their lives in some way, whether it's with curiosity, whether they too have physical problems and are trying to move through it and find find their bodies again. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to share my like Egyptian culture with the world is something special, and that's that's something I really loved back in America because a lot of people aren't don't know too much about belly dance, like the average average folk, not as fan, belly dancers. They don't know about the culture of Egypt in general or Middle East in general or belly dance in general. So when I'm teaching, I, I felt like an ambassador. Like, here's what I grew up with. Like, how cool is this stuff, you guys? Uh-huh. And it's just so special to be able to share that and then to see them taking on and becoming dancers or just performing. I love to see my students perform at any level, whether it's beginner to professional. Mm. It just I love having that connection and, and with with the students. Mm. And uh, you mentioned also that some of your students uh, are coming through some physical limitations uh, too. How do you, in general, uh, approach those situations that you see like a person may have some kind of physical struggles and not on a physical level like to teach certain moves etc but more on emotional level like maybe the person um, was told that okay you can't do that or uh, maybe not told but doesn't really believe that them in that situation with that condition is able to actually do something nicely and successfully in in the field of dance? Well, I try to explain to my students the same things I explain to myself. Don't be sad about what you cannot do. Be proud of what you can do. Oh, you can't flip your hair. Okay, well, look at this awesome hip thing you can do. Like, maybe we, we all have some type of limitations in our life. But being accepting and proud of what you can do is what matters. Yeah, I'm sad I can't do a split. Yeah, I'm sad I can't do those cool plie shimmies. <laughs> and some students are like, oh, I can't do this because of my back. Oh, I can't do this. Don't worry. I'm the most patient and understanding teacher you're going to have because I, too, have those limitations. So, okay, if we have a choreography, you're going to be doing a different move, and this girl's going to be doing a different move, and we're all going to work together, and no one's going to know. Distract, distract, distract. <laughs> distract your audience from what you may not be able to do, but show them what you can do and be proud of that because that's so beautiful. That's such a cool advice and such a great reminder for, for everyone. And uh, uh, yeah, so, so true. Can't agree more. <laughs> that's, that's really, really beautiful, beautifully put. Well, for our listeners where they can find more information uh first of all about your online classes <laughs> and second where's the best place for them to follow your uh dance activities here in Egypt and around the world <laughs> well I used to have a website back in America but since moving to Egypt it's not really a thing here so I stopped having my website so now you can find me on Instagram Ariel underscore belly dance You can find me on Facebook and you can contact me and message me anytime. I'm always happy to hear from people. Either my my personal page, which is Ariel Tyson, which is basically all dancers anyway, or my Facebook like fan page in quotes, uh, Ariel Belly Dance. So it's very easy to find me and stay up to date on what, what I'm up to. <laughs> 
Um, as far as classes go, follow me, follow my post. Um, I don't have a website currently. I'm not the best business-minded person. Um, but I do have a list of a lot of pre-recorded classes and I teach privately. I still do competition training for the dancers that want to train for competitions. Um, but I do teach every Sunday online different topics um, at 2 p.m. Eastern time, usually 9 p.m. Cairo time. So there's always something on Sundays. You can always find me. <laughs> oh. Well, I will include links in the show notes. So for everyone, it's easy to... Uh, to connect uh, and find you on social media and um, before I ask you know like our closing question um, I just want to ask you is there anything that you feel is very important to sort of talk and touch base on and cover maybe just mention from all the topics that we talked maybe there is something that very important you feel you want to share that we did not talk about? Oh gosh, I, I can't really think of anything except being here in, in Egypt as a professional dancer. We see a lot of things in other professional dancers, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I just encourage everyone to have self-respect, to also love yourself, love what you have to offer, and stay true to yourself and your beliefs and don't change for anyone. If you like to dance this way and you're educated about it this way, do what feels good to you as long as it's not offensive or, or anything like that. Study, study your roots, study the basics, the folklore. Um, and, and just like I said before, be proud of what your body can do. Mm. Well, I so much wish you good luck with all your goals and dreams and wishes. And you definitely deserve for all of them to come true. And definitely deserve to have that happy and joyful place on stage and enjoy it to the fullest of um, possibilities and capacities. And... Uh, I wish you all the best uh, in terms of your career, in terms of your health, and in general in your life, especially now, like in the beginning of the year. But not only for this year, but for many, many, many years for, to dance on stage for as long as you want to dance. And uh, to switch and stop this activity because of your decision and not because it had to happen for whatever reason. <laughs> yes, thank you so, so, so much. I hope, I hope the same thing for myself. Thank you so much. On this note, I am really excited to hear your answer to our uh, traditional closing question of the podcast because I think it's going to be the, the perfect uh, summary and conclusive, like, you know, concluding note for our conversation today. And the question is, what makes you fall in love with belly dance again and again so you keep doing it for so many years? I think my answer is a little more serious, not so lighthearted. But in a nutshell, belly dance gives me a reason to live. I know that's kind of somber in a way. Without belly dance, I don't know what my life would be right now. I don't know what my body would be right now. Every day that I'm dancing, I have a reason to, 
to get out of bed, to live life. A lot of people with my conditions close themselves off and have, have trouble doing all the things that they love. But the thing that I love is also my job. So I'm so blessed that I can belly dance every day. I love the music. I love the connection with the people. But for me, it's that really deep, deep, like, reason to live. I'm, it's kind of a scary answer. I don't mean it in a scary way, but it's just so ingrained in me. Like, I can't imagine my life without it. And I love it every day because each day is an experience. Yes, I work at this place every day or this place or this place. But every time I do, it's special. Mm. And I just love it. This episode was brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, bringing more consistency and more fun into your dance training online. Check it out at yanadanceclub.com, direct link in the show notes. And before you leave, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends, as well as leave a review on iTunes or any other app you're using to listen to the show. The more people know about this podcast, the easier it is for me to bring even more awesome guests. Until next time, keep shimming and keep dancing.